Good morning. <laughs> Good to see everybody. Man, it's hot. <laughs> and um, again, if you need refreshment, I'm not going to be upset if you get up and walk out. Not because of the word that's being spoken, but because you need a drink. Okay, there's water for you back there. You can come back in. Um, but here is the uh, good news. We live in Chicago, and so this does not last long. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you may be surprised uh, that it's still going, but winter does come, and it remains longer than any of us would like. So um, welcome to Second City Church on a hot day. It may be our last. Um, guys, I wanted to say this is such an exciting uh, period of time. Uh, because, uh, number one, I don't know if you noticed and also appreciated the worship this morning, but it was being led by two very special people, two who have now become one, <laughs> and they are officially now and forevermore known as the Lightborns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so give them all the love that you've been storing up for them as they've been on their honeymoon. And um, it is good to celebrate uh, marriage. And not only that, um, but this afternoon, uh, after the service, we'll be headed uh, out to the suburbs because uh, one of our other worship leaders and tech team members, uh, Natalia and Caleb, are getting married today. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. yeah, so I'm telling you, man, that's why we have volunteer fairs. People volunteer and they serve and then they get hooked up. So anyway, it's good. So with that in mind, with that in mind, we just wanted to say um, a hearty welcome to you and we're glad you're here. So if I haven't met you yet, my name is Roland. I'm the pastor here and um, we are uh, going on the heels of what we did last week. We had a good friend in town, uh, Charles Kiefer, who came and um, preached for us with uh, Back to Church Sunday. And he really preached the message talking about the fact that your root determines your fruit, preaching exegetically out of the book of Colossians, uh, where Paul was addressing a new church uh, that was established during that time of his ministry. It uh, wasn't established by him, but he actually had oversight of it, and so he was um, helping to minister to them. And so um, what we saw is that that was actually a good uh, alley-oop uh, for any of you men who are in here, uh, because one of our topics in our uh, community groups as our men's group. They're actually going through a book one of our young professionals community groups did previously, um, which is rooted. So they're actually doing that one now. So if you miss that with the young professionals group, the men's group is doing it now. And so it's a great continuation of all that was established in that message last week. So this week, what we're going to do is we're going to continue the theme of what we've been talking about <clears throat> over the course of the summer, where we were doing a series called Revealed, discovering the names, character, and quality of God. And much of what we were doing, if uh, you were here with us, is we were understanding God and how he communicates and reveals himself to us through how he interacts with his people and the names that he uses to describe himself. Obviously, we uh, summarized all of that with the name that is above every name that everything preceded and pointed to the person of Jesus. Um, that's the name above every name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord. Um, but in getting to know the Father, you also know the Son, right? Jesus said that anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. That was the good news of his earthly ministry when he was walking in the flesh. Um, and it's easy to identify whenever you're a Christian with the Father, 
it's uh, understandable that we would relate with the Son because it's through the Son that we have access to the Father. But then there's the third person of the Trinity, um, who is the Holy Spirit, who many times we're less familiar with. And I heard a pastor say uh, many, t- uh, many years ago that uh, time and time again uh, in the uh, Christian world, we oftentimes talk about Jesus baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and instead of the Holy Spirit, we are so unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit that we say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scripture. And we like exalt the Holy Scripture uh, to a place that the Holy Spirit who inspired the Scripture should actually have in our lives. But we know that Jesus, whenever he ministered on the earth, he said, it is better for you that I actually go. Can you imagine that? Jesus, who was walking around for three years, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, raising people from the dead, and actually bringing the kingdom of God in a manifest way to the earth as it is in heaven, he said, it's actually better for you that I go. Because unless I go, I can't send to you the one that my father's promised, who is this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who I want to live in you, regenerate you, recreate you, and actually empower you to be a living witness for me. And so what we're going to do is, as we've been talking about the Father, and we're each week talking about the Son, Jesus, we're going to dive into a little bit through these next several weeks, the person of the Holy Spirit and how we're to interact with him in our present everyday experience. Because as we see, God is the one who is with us, not just sometimes, but all the time. But we've got to be able to recognize him if we are to relate to him well. And so our series we're going to do for the next several weeks leading up to Reggie visiting with us and the spiritual gifts training is a series called Gifted, God's Tools for Building His Kingdom. God's Tools for Building His Kingdom. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word to us today. God, your word is our standard. It's our barometer by which we understand you, your kingdom, your ways, and all that you want to do in the earth. God, we're asking you that today by your word you would teach us that regardless of what we've been exposed to previously, that God, we'd let your word shape us our thinking, our faith, our hearts. God, we're asking you that you would raise us up to a level of understanding all that you are and all that you want to do in the earth, in and through your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have a Bible today, what we're going to do is we're, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to um, go through a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, um, the Bible was uh, first in the New Testament, the series of the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it talked about all that Jesus said, all that he did um, in his earthly ministry until the time that he was taken up um, to heaven and ascended to the side of the Father. Now, in the midst of that, what we also see is right after that was the book of Acts when Jesus promised, uh, the promised Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church and the church began to operate by the power of the Holy Spirit in the ministry that God had entrusted to them. So Jesus had actually ministered and he had accomplished all that God intended him to on the earth leading up to his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead on the cross. But then he said, church, I'm leaving you here until I make my inevitable return. And as I leave you here, I'm going to leave you to do that which I've been doing and actually even greater things because I'm going to the Father. Now that was a pretty audacious claim because when you think about all that Jesus did, you think about, well, (laughs) opening blind eyes, that was Jesus. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, raising the dead, that was Jesus. That's cool. 
prophesying, that was Jesus, that's cool. Words of knowledge, that was Jesus, that's cool. But then he actually said, hey, listen, I'm leaving you, church, here to do what I've actually started to do, and I want you to continue to do until I make my return. Now, that's significant because of the fact that Jesus actually said there is a manner in which you're going to do it, but it's not going to be in your own ability. It's going to be by mine. Just as the fruit of the Holy Spirit is only produced not in our own effort or our own strength, but through his, right? We actually have the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control produced in us because the Holy Spirit is living in us and doing a work through us, right? If you're a Christian, that's what happens. But additionally, what he says is that the Holy Spirit, this third person of the Trinity, is going to come upon the church in power, and then you're going to do the things that I do, okay? Now, Paul, when he was talking to the Corinthian church, he was actually giving you a little historic context. He was preaching in a pagan community, and Corinth, if you're wondering why it was entitled that, Corinth was a city in the Roman Empire at the time of Paul's preaching. It was in a province called Achaia, which was actually modern-day Greece, and it was actually a great cosmopolitan city at the time. It was very similar to what we know as Chicago today. It was an intersection of commerce and trade, um, but in the midst of the commerce and trade that went on there, there was also a lot of wicked and pagan practices. Just like Chicago, you have a lot of opportunity here, right? A lot of ideas being exchanged, a lot of commerce going on, but there's also a lot of wickedness here in this place. So when we look at the letter that Paul wrote to this new church, predominantly of Gentile, meaning believers who did not grow up in the metaphorical church, but um, actually came to Christ, he's actually instructing them in a way that we can actually glean from, because many times in this city, though we've grown up in church, we've been in this generation particularly biblically illiterate. Would everybody agree with that? Okay, it's sort of like you might have grown up in the culture of church, but as far as reading the word for yourself or even having a church community that's building or shaping the culture of the church through the word of God, sometimes that's lacking. And then also, not only that, but we in this city have an intersection of people from all different backgrounds and denominations and such, and therefore, we need to allow God to shape us based on his word and not our experience, okay? Now, whenever we actually uh, talk about the things that Paul's about to talk about here, we think about it in terms of uh, a friend that I just had come to the city, and the friend actually brought their uh, daughter, and... (laughs) Every time they've happened to come over the course of the years that we've been here in Chicago, it's been the summer. And how many people know that one of the best times to come to Chicago is the summer? Okay, you fall in love, maybe you came and did your school visit in the summer and then fell in love with the city, it seduced you, and then you were like, this is the best city in the world. And then all of a sudden you applied, you got enrolled, you got your job, you got your offer, you actually started to work, and then the winter hit, and you were like, oh my gosh, what have I done, right? Well, here's the thing about it. They, this little girl, because she only came in the, um, into Chicago in the summer, what she said to her mother was this. She said, it is always warm in Chicago. And I was like... Young one, you know not that of what you speak, you know? (laughs) And it's because of the fact that her reality was being shaped up to that point simply by her experience. And so what she determined as truth to that extent and to that up to that period of time was solely based on her subjective experience and not the reality that we all know. Correct? And so whenever we look in the scripture... 
many times there are things that begin to open our eyes to new realities in God. And though I may not have experienced it myself to this point, many people have. And not just many people have back in the day, but how many people know that last year it was cold in Chicago? And this year it's going to be cold too. And so in the same way, God's opening our eyes to that which is reality despite our experience to this point. Everybody with me? All right, let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's writing to this new church. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Okay? Pretty bold statement, right? He starts off his word and he says, Hey, listen, I'm beginning this portion of my letter to you by saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. Why? Because there is the potential that up to this point, you were uninformed. So if the church that Paul was writing to had something, even in the time of the apostles, even in the time of post-Jesus resurrection that they had not experienced yet, and Paul had to write to them and educate them about this, how many people know that that's going to probably be true of us as well? If we're humble enough to admit that. Yes. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, anything that you put in front of God, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So whenever we see Paul talking about this topic of gifts, the first thing that he's doing is he's relating it right back to the gospel. And he's saying that the primary thing that you need to know is Jesus is Lord, and the only way that you're ever going to be able to confess him as such is if you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and you're able through his utterance to proclaim Jesus is Lord. How many people know that it's a miracle when God actually breaks the rebellion and stubbornness in each of our hearts and actually gives us the ability to relent to someone greater than ourselves and actually say that, you know what, you're in charge now. The way that I've been living up to this point, I choose to submit to you. And I'm no longer living for myself, my selfishness, or my wicked ways, the things that you call wicked. I'm living now for you and the things that you call right. Jesus is saying, listen, through the Holy Spirit, through Paul's writing, that you can only do this by that Holy Spirit who he gives you. You can only say he's Lord by the Holy Spirit. But when he gives you that ability to proclaim him as Lord, then he also leaves with you gifts. Because the good news is, is that when the Holy Spirit comes and immerses you, he actually, what that word is, is it, he, he actually dunks you. He drowns you, right? The word baptism. If you ever were saved, the first thing that you need to do if you're responding to Jesus is get baptized in water. And some of you in here I know have made recent decisions for Jesus, and I'm telling you, you need to get baptized in water. Come and talk to us. 
Because it's being buried with Christ in his death and being raised in your faith and the power of God into the resurrection life of Jesus through that baptism. But the same word that he uses for baptism in water, he also uses for being immersed, baptized in the Holy Spirit. That just as you're dunked or buried with him in his death in water baptism, he wants you immersed in the Holy Spirit. And this is not an intellectual exercise. It's actually an experiential one. So much of our faith we try to reduce to just an academic exercise. But God is so real, so present, and he's alive today that everything that he wants to do from this point forward in your life is actually experiential based on the truth of his word. And so he says here that you're going to proclaim me as Lord, but then I'm going to live in you, make you new, a new creation, and I'm going to gift you. And I'm going to gift you for my purposes and the purposes of my kingdom. Now, when he gifts you, he says this. Now, there are a variety, verse 4, of gifts. He says, I'm going to leave you here to do that which I've been doing as my body. And there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each, everybody say please, each. That means everybody. That means that nobody's left out. That means that there are not first and second class citizens in the body of Christ. That means that there aren't some people who are gifted and others who just sort of hang around. Everybody gets to be in the game. That's the good news, right? This isn't like 1A, like, you know, football where everybody, you know, you got to be at the top of your game. This is like the rec park and recs league where if you pay, you play. Okay? It's like you pay, you play, baby. It's sort of like you submit your life to Jesus, you are in the game. That's the grace of God. And he says, to each one, the grace of God has been given. <clears throat> and it's the same God who empowers them in all men. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so all of a sudden, he says, I'm giving you gifts, and it's not so you could feel good about yourself. It is not so you can show off. It is not so you can have an extra dose of private spirituality. Everybody understand? He doesn't give gifts so that you can hold them to yourself. He says, I'm giving you gifts, and if I give you gifts, every one of you, it is for the common good. Meaning that it's to benefit those around you. Just like many times people think that they can actually have even the fruit of the Holy Spirit operating through them, but without actually the obligation of interacting with people with those fruit. Anybody realize like that before? It's sort of like, you've, anybody ever real, like think of yourself as holy before until you actually went to work and actually had to act holy? You know what I'm talking about? Or you thought that you were so patient and so selfless until you actually got married. And then what was real came out of your heart and you're like, whoa. I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> you know? And it's because of the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is actually only manifest when you're interacting with others. In the same way, the gifts of the Spirit aren't for yourself, but they're for the benefit of others. 
It is not for your personal, private spirituality. What that means is if somebody's been a Christian or a believer, but disconnected from the body of Christ, then they're in error because the gifts that God put in them weren't just for them. They were for the common good. Let's go on. For to one, what kind of gifts does he give? Is given through the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So all of a sudden, God is saying, I'm giving you these gifts for the common good. And when I give them for the good, you need to, number one, not only embrace them, not be ignorant towards them, but understand that they're there, available. I'm giving them to my people. And then you need to know what they are if you're going to utilize them, right? Has anybody ever gotten a gift before and had it sit on your shelf for probably several months because you didn't know how to use it? That happens with me all the time with technology, I'm like, I appreciate this new gadget that somebody gave me. And I'm like, that's cool. Now it's going to sit right there until you come over here and like show me how to use it. That's what happens many times with spiritual gifts. That's why we're having a spiritual gift training. Let's go back through the word and talk about what some of these gifts are and what they are utilized for according to the word of God. Okay, let's go back to verse seven, please. To each one, the manifestation. What's the manifestation mean? The manifestation means that it's demonstrated. The manifestation means that it's shown, meaning it's utilized. It's not something you just think about or agree with or believe in. It's actually something that's manifest and made present, okay? Verse 8, it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. First of all, this is one that's easy to embrace, right? Whenever you think about wisdom, you have people in the world who don't even know Jesus, who we would describe as wise. But when we talk about biblical wisdom given by the Spirit of God, it's actually a supernatural wisdom. It's a wisdom that's not just knowledge-based. And it's in this generation, this is very important because we live in the information age, right? And so many people think they're smart just because they can look something up. But just because you can Google something doesn't mean you're an expert. Okay, wisdom, on the other hand, actually is the ability to properly apply in God's design and for his kingdom purposes, his wisdom in any and every situation that you find yourself. There are people that you need to be connected to in the body when you're trying to make decisions that actually have a biblical gift of wisdom, meaning God's supernatural download from heaven to show you how to apply the decisions in your life that need to be made for his kingdom purposes. 
You don't need to be making decisions in a vacuum about who you're going to, where you're going to work or where you're going to live, who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Thank God somebody spoke into my life before I got married. There are plenty of people who were actually suitors. You know I mean, meaning I was actually trying to suit them. But the point is, yeah, well, the point is there were also several times that God was like, God sent people and were like, uh-uh, Rowland, you may love the Lord, but they clearly do not. And if you hook up with them, you're going to end up in the course of your life and time in a direction far away from what God had for you. Because what God does is he says, the first and the most important covenant that you make in your life is with him. The second most important is with who you marry. And sometimes you need some biblical wisdom to come in and help open your eyes to that which your heart won't allow you to see. Why? Because Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I'll tell you who can understand it. The spirit of God and the spirit of wisdom that will help direct you into what's right. Okay, we'll go on from here. All right, so it's like the spirit of wisdom. But then there's also the utterance of knowledge. Knowledge, not just information-based, but it's what we saw Jesus do with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. If ever you see um, the story of the gospel, you see Jesus continually manifesting himself, making himself known. How many of you remember the story, John 4, him issuing his uh, interaction with the Samaritan woman? Okay, so all of a sudden Jesus is tired from the journey because he's 100% man, but he's also 100% God. What that means is that in the time of Jesus, he would have been hot in here today. He would have been sweating in here today. He would have needed some water today, just like us. Why? Because he's 100% man, also 100% God, sat down by a well, and he actually asked a woman who was a Samaritan for a drink of water. She said, listen, you're a Jew and I'm a um, Samaritan and you're asking me for a drink. Why? Because at that time they were ethnically disconnected. They were just, they had beef with one another. You think tensions are bad in America sometimes with the racial issues? Well, it was bad back then too. And she was like, why are you talking to me? And he said, listen, if you had known who was asking you for a drink, you would have given me water. And uh, sorry, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water that springs up to eternal life. She's like, okay, I can see this man's on another level. I don't know why he turned it on me like that, but that's cool, you know? And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, go call your husband. And then she's like, listen, now this man's crazy. Is he hitting on me, right? If you've ever been in the city before, talk to somebody of the opposite sex, and immediately they thought you were trying to make a play. This is what Jesus was, no, it's funny. Okay, but the point is, is he says, listen, go call your husband. And he said, I don't, she said, I don't have a husband. And he was like, you're right. You're exactly right. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man that you are now with is not your husband. And she was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this man is a prophet. This man, I see, knows that which I, is my intimate details of my life and my business. All of a sudden, she was able to acknowledge that God was making an approach to her. Why? Because of the word of knowledge. Jesus in that moment knew something about her that he shouldn't have known unless there was God's intervention. Does that make sense? It was knowledge that was opening her heart to the truth of the gospel. This is actually how I got saved. I was actually a, like not a Christian going into college. And I remember my mother 
continually affirming me, saying, I was like, Mom, am I going to heaven when I die? She's like, of course you are. You're my baby. And I was like, great. Mom said it. I'm in. You know? And then all of a sudden, I got to college, and then someone actually shared the real gospel with me, saying, we're all going to hell on what's we repent. You know? And then here's the point. This man, who was a campus minister at the time, came up to me, and I like to say metaphorically started to introduce himself and then read my mail. He started talking to me about all that I'd been doing not of the Lord at home before I got to school, all that I'd gotten involved in since being at school, what I was dealing with in my mind, my emotions, my heart. And I was like, yo, dude, you need to back up because I don't know you. And a matter of fact, did my mom call you? You know, why do you know these things? And what he said is like, listen, this isn't of me. I'm not telling you something that's interesting so you could say, ooh, look at what he did. There is a God who knows you, who's making himself known to you that you might come to know him. A word of knowledge broke open my heart. And then all of a sudden I was like, you have my attention And just like the Samaritan woman, I began to turn and respond. And as he preached the gospel to me, I was so convicted by that same Holy Spirit who gave the gift that by the end of the night, I was confessing all my sin to all these people in that Bible study I didn't know. And they all looked at me like deer in headlights. I was trying to get right with God and they were still trying to kumbaya. I was like, listen, man, I'm doing this at home. They're like, yeah, cool. All right. You know, and I was like, listen, I'm just trying to get it off my chest. I want to serve Jesus now. And from that moment forward, I repented, believed the good news about his death, burial and resurrection, got filled with his Holy Spirit and been preaching ever since. Good news. That's a word of knowledge. Everybody with me? Make sense? Okay, so we're trying to give you Bible and also real time. Bible in real time. Okay, next. To another faith by the same spirit. We are saved by what? Come on, we preach the Bible here. By, by grace through faith, right? Now, he is talking to a church and saying that I'm giving a gift of faith, however. A gift of faith to people. And that gift of faith is going to be different than the salvific faith, the salvation faith that saves you. Sometimes whenever you're going through life circumstances, you're going to need an extra oomph, right? What the Bible calls, what we'll talk about next week as mountain moving faith. Have you ever needed somebody when you're believing God for something, whether it be a healing or a job or some sort of financial breakthrough or some sort of relational breakthrough in your family, your own mind, heart, and soul. You needed somebody to come alongside of you who could push that mountain with you. Anybody ever experienced that before? You need somebody with not just a saving faith, but a gift of faith, a mountain moving faith. That's saying God and his promises are real. God and his promises are true. And I'm going to get alongside of you and I'm going to, in faith, push and see God supernaturally move that which is previously an obstacle to you. That's the gift of faith. Not just saving faith, but a gift of faith. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. Oh, and let me tell you something. When you're young and you feel immortal... Oh, it's easy to dismiss this one, right? It's easy to be like, oh, no, no, no. I'll just pop a, you know, one-a-day vitamin and I'll be good. I don't need any supernatural healing. Well, let me tell you something. We believe in natural medicine. My father's a doctor, okay? 
But the point is, is sometimes you need God himself to break through in supernatural healing. And God, by the Holy Spirit, will use gifts of the Spirit to do that which the natural medicine cannot do. Let me tell you something. I have family members who are on medicine right now, and it's helping them, but it comes with a whole lot of side effects. But when God heals, it does nothing but good. And it comes with healing that is permanent and healing that gives glory to him. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the thing about it is like he came healing those who were oppressed by the devil and those who were under his power. And what was he doing to heal them? Opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears. Charles, who was here last week, one of his formative moments in his life. He didn't share this. I wish he would have, but it was when we were college students together and his parents had just come to the Lord and they got introduced to this older woman, this elderly woman for 50 years of her life had been blind, clinically blind. And then she met Jesus, bowed her knee to him, and then Jesus Christ healed her. So much so that when her parents came over, they were, she was like, I like your blue shirt. Was she guessing? No. She could actually see that though she had been blind for years of her life, Jesus Christ healed her. And then she was a witness and a testimony of his healing power throughout the rest of her days. Healing through the gift of God. God actually works that way through people. Some of you have testimonies like that in here. Now, do we need to be healthy so we don't need to be the, like need the healing? Yes. Talk to Sarah and Tegan. Okay. But in the meantime, there are also just life issues, right? or life decisions that have affected us, and God can bring healing by his grace. He also said gifts of, uh, by the one spirit, gifts of, verse 10, the working of miracles. Working of miracles. What was it? What type of miracle? Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? A couple fish, a few loaves of bread, all that good stuff, right? Miracles, walking on water, raising the dead, miracles. And here's the thing about miracles, People say, well, I've never seen a miracle. Well, let me tell you something. You probably won't if you stay in that posture. And let me also say this. You won't see a miracle unless you are in a miracle situation, meaning you need a miracle to intervene in the situation you find yourself in. And that's what people don't realize a lot of times too, right? People are like, God, I want to see your miracles. And he's like, okay, I'm going to allow you to be in a situation where the only th um, thing that's going to change it is a miracle intervention from me. And I'm like, God, I, I believe you. I don't need to see your miracles, right? All of a sudden our tune changes. And here's the other thing about it. God, when he's talking about miracles, doesn't call it, he doesn't call it Tuesday. He said, nobody has the gift of Tuesday. He said miracles. That means it's something out of the ordinary, Make sense? And so God is saying that I give some people gifts of miracles. The ability to prophesy, speaking on behalf of God, the message and the word of God. And that obviously always starts with his written word, but it also is by the Spirit speaking messages that can unlock callings, destiny, giftings. And God wants the people of God to work in these things. Prophetic words. He wants people to work in the distinguishing between spirits whether something's being authored of God or a demonic spirit, that yes, as there is God, there is also the reality of demons, right? Jesus, when he showed up on the scene, he came preaching the good news and driving out 
demons. Demons, real demons that are oppressing people in this city. And no, 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 not just like way like across sea somewhere. No, in he, this city. People tormented at night. People staying up, not able to sleep, popping pills night and day. And Jesus is like, I want to break demonic torment in your life. And a distinguishing between spirits enables you to identify that which is of God and that which is not. And his authority can break that which the enemy meant for harm. And it could turn to what God meant for good. Does this make sense? Are you with me? To another, various kinds of tongues, languages. And he's not just talking about Rosetta Stone. Okay? He's not just talking about you going to school for a couple of years. He's talking about tongues, giving you the ability to speak in other languages, to deliver a message, thus needing an interpretation of tongues. He gives the church the ability to do that supernaturally for his glory. We'll continue to talk about that more next week. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So what that means is this. He says, we are going to have gifts, but he gives them according to his will. Meaning that we get to operate in that which he chooses to give to us, right? At the same time, he also says this, and this obviously you can read your own Bible, we're all literate here. He actually says, you know, the one, there are many parts of the body, different um, type, I'm sorry, many parts of the one body. Let's go on to, uh, down to verse 12. He says, for just as in the one body is not, I'm sorry, is one and is many members and all the members of the body, though many as, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't need, I belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Meaning, I need to have different gifts than you. You need to have different gifts than me if we're all going to function properly as the body of Christ. In a local church, there should be multiple expressions of giftings working together. And there should be no gift envy. Amen? Some people are always like, man, I want the gift that's on stage. I wish I could sing like Jason. I wish I could sing like Erica. I wish I could play like Wes. Anything he touches. A boy's a prodigy. You know it's true. If you make up an instrument, he'll play it. Okay? That's just the truth. But guess what? We're not all Wes. Right? Some of us have skills with technology. I do not. Some of us have skills with speaking. I hope I do. Some of us have skills, you know what I mean, with working with children. If you're a parent, I hope you do. Right? But they're all different parts. And all of them, the Bible says, are indispensable. And if you don't show up, if I don't show up, we're not going to accomplish that which God desires. They're indispensable. That's what he goes on to say. Let's finish reading it. And then we're done. 
But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot, everybody say cannot. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, I love it, are indispensable. And you know what this weaker part means? You know what it means? In our context, oftentimes the things that people think are weaker are the things that are hidden. The things that people don't come and immediately give you accolades for. But do you know we would not have church every Sunday if it weren't for this amazing hospitality and setup team? We would not have church every Sunday if it weren't for the greeters and for the people who are outreaching week after week on their, in their jobs and on their campuses. Nobody sees it. But it's the very thing that God says does, are not only indispensable, but deserve greater honor. Because the things that are seen don't need that honor. They already get it. They already get the pats on the back. Right? They already are. You know, I, I, pre, I appreciate people talking to me, you know what I mean, after service. And I'm like, great message, Pastor. Oh, well, I appreciate that. It was tough. It was hot. Okay? But I don't, I don't need that. You know what I'm saying? What people need are you to go to them and say, thank you. Thank you for actually setting up this service. Thank you for being behind those walls and having screaming children that you wrestle to the ground and say, Jesus loves you. (laughs) Thank you. Those are the people, right? But this is God's heart. And if it's God's heart, it needs to be ours. Number one, that everybody has a part. Number two, that everybody needs to manifest that gift. Number three, that we honor those as all parts of the body having equal concern for one another. If one part rejoices, we all rejoice with it. If one part mourns, we all mourn with it, right? That's a family. Okay, let's finish up. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable. (laughs) Okay. We bestow the greater honor and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. That means when people are in process, right? People get saved, but sometimes uh, they got a little stuff to get worked out. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, some of you don't remember getting saved. I got saved and I was still like, bleep, 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 Jesus is good. <laughs> and people are like, ah, Rollin, let's try to rework that speech. And I, and I was like, oh, okay, I see I'm the unpresentable part right now. <laughs> okay, but it's cool. I was in the kingdom. Okay. Which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Let's continue on. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one pe- um, part suffers, suffer, not suffer, sorry, <laughs> suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating. Thank God for the administrators. Plenty of people have ideas, but unless there is an administrator, nothing's getting done. Everybody say amen. Amen. All right, so, all right. Anyway, and various kinds of tongues. And are all prophets, are all prophet, um, apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Okay, and now this is how he ends it. But, everybody say but. He's like, you're not everything. 
Together we're the body of Christ, right? Together we're the body of Christ. You're not everything, but together we should have these things. And he says, first, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then finally, I want you to earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. And that's what we'll talk about next week, how to actually desire it. The first question we have to answer is what? Then we answer how. First question is what? What are your gifts? What has he invested in you? If you don't know them, come and talk to us because we want to encourage them in you. We have a spiritual gifts training coming up where they could be cultivated, formed, shaped, and grow. You have to answer the question first of what? But then next week we're going to talk about how. But here's the point. He says, don't be ignorant in regards to the spiritual gifts. And then secondly, I want you to eagerly desire them, and that's on us. Meaning we don't just sit back and say, well, I'm cool. I see those gifts, and that'd be interesting if that operated. But he says, no, your responsibility is to eagerly desire them. This is a command that he gives us. Does this make sense? So what that means is we come to him asking him. You remember being a kid with your parent and asking for something, birthday time, right? You nag them. You harass them. If you don't believe it, we'll call them together. (laughs) And God's saying in the same way, come and get it. Dinner bell, ding, 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 ding. If you've not experienced it yet, come. I want you to eagerly, that's the command, eagerly desire the higher gifts. Don't be ignorant. And of course, this is an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. It also goes in Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll talk about some of those in the spiritual gifts training, okay? But the point is, is he says, eagerly desire them. And that needs to be the posture of our church in our hearts if we're going to see God move in the manner that he wants to. Amen? Okay, so obviously this is a good setup for the volunteer fair. Find your place. (laughs) And we'll be the body of Christ together. If you have questions or... If you talk to you today, because we don't leave as a church all disgruntled and be like, well, I don't believe he just said that. We talk about things and let God's word speak for itself. So if you have questions or any pushback, please come. And as the Moravians say, in the essentials, unity, in the non essentials, diversity, but in all things, charity. Let's be Christian. Amen? All right, worship team, let's go.